You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Welcome again, everybody, to another episode of the Nosebleed Seats. It is our week two preview. Kansas City travels to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers in their brand new stadium. It is a 325 Central Time game, so, uh, you know, sleep in a little bit. But we've got a lot coming for you today. With me, as always, my buddy, Marcus Buda Baker. Marcus, <laughs> how, how we doing tonight, man? Well, I'm doing good. I don't know if that was a fat joke or a Buda Baker joke, but hey, I'll take it either way. <laughs> um, I was going more towards a football term, but. Okay, yeah, they, they both apply. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, regardless, I'm doing pretty good. Um, excited for another divisional matchup with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing this SoFi Stadium. It looked pretty cool last week for the Rams, I believe. Was that game? Yeah. That game yeah. was in L.A., wasn't yeah, it? it was. Yeah, Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like with all the Chargers colors. And the Chargers uniforms, is t- like the new ones are sick. They're one of my favorites. So I think the look of that stadium with that light blue and the yellow – I think it's going to look a lot cooler than it did with the Rams stuff. So I'm I'm excited to see the stadium. Um, I don't think the product on the field is going to be all that close, but I'm I'm just I'm looking forward to another week of football. I mean, you and I both we've talked all off season. This has been a horrendous off season with everything going on. So I mean, I watched I've watched every single game from kickoff to finish. I watched the Rams and the Cowboys. I watched Cincinnati and Cleveland last night. I'm just glad to have football back for sure. We have a lot for you guys today. Uh, you know, kind of same as always. We're going to break down this week two uh, preview one and zero LA Chargers against the one and zero Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Los Angeles kind of squeaked that win out last week. Unfortunately for the Bengals, they had a missed uh, chip shot field goal to give them a tie to go into overtime. But we're talking about Kansas City, Los Angeles now. We're going to break down our uh, three impact players to watch for each team, as we did last week. And then Marcus is going to have his make or break keys to victory once again for both teams as well. So, Marcus, let's go ahead and get into this. Uh, like I said just a few minute, a few seconds ago, actually, uh, Los Angeles squeaks by a win against Cincinnati in week one. Kansas City takes care of Houston, you know, pretty much the entire game up until I feel like garbage time. And, uh, you know, Steve Spagnuolo was not happy about that, and neither was Tyron Matthew. But uh, we'll talk about that a little later. I want to go ahead and talk about these injuries first because both teams had some injuries. I feel like the Chargers always do. But Kansas City had some injuries as well in pretty key significant positions. Uh, Charvarius Ward is out with the hand injury uh, for this game here. Colin Saunders is out for at least a month with an elbow injury. And uh, I'm missing one. Who am I missing? Alex Okafor. Yeah, Alex Okafor. Yeah, hamstring. Hamstring? Yes, hamstring. Okay, yeah. That's right. That's really, I mean, only three key Injuries for the Chiefs. I look for Taco Charlton to be active this game, and I also look for Bo Pete Keys maybe to be active this game as well. I mean, yeah, I'd agree. I think out of the the depth guys that we have available, I was shocked when Charlton wasn't wasn't active roster last game. The team really seems to like Michael Dana out of Michigan, so 
I don't know. He looked he looked decent last week. He's got some pop to him on film. He's pretty athletic looking. He looks faster than he did at Michigan. So I don't know. The team seems to see a lot there. And then the Tershawn Wharton as well. I think he may get an uptick and some snaps as well with Saunders being out. So I think both of those guys may see some increases. Well, Charlton being active and then Wharton might see some increased snaps. I'll tell you what, there was a play this last week, this last Thursday against Houston, where Watson got outside and ran, and Wharton ran him down. He was running step for step with Watson. I think Seth Kaiser tweeted that. Somebody did. It was Seth Kaiser. And it was, I mean, it was impressive. So, guy pops like that on film. That's somebody you want to have in the game. And it's just the opportunities available for him to have an increased uh, workload with the injury to Saunders and potentially Okafor. I don't know if he's just – he looked like a big guy, so he may not only be limited to the inside. He may play a little outside, and then Taco, of course, with Okafor being hurt. So, I don't know. I'm worried about Ward. The other two, we have one of the deepest defensive lines in the league, I think. So, I think we can absorb that. And I'm kind of excited to see Charlton, of course, being trying to prove himself and re- revitalize his career. And then this this young kid out of Missouri – what was it? S and T science and tech. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited to see what he can do in yet another week of NFL action and adjusting to the speed of the game. So it's exciting. And then just hope and pray that our corners can stick with their big receivers there in Los Angeles. Let's flip it to Los Angeles for a second. And talk about their injuries, because once again, they are absolutely being demolished by injuries. And, you know, we said before the season even started their biggest, uh, ability was going to be availability and once again i don't know if it's something in the water i don't know if it's their training techniques or what it is but they just cannot stay healthy uh mike pouncey just a couple days ago went on the ir with a hemp injury he's gonna be out for the entire year uh joey bosa's battling a tricep injury uh didn't practice earlier this week but he's gonna play i mean that's joey bosa Uh, casey hayward's been injured as well justin jackson who is supposed to be their backup running back uh, is doubtful for the game on Sunday. And then Mike Williams had a banged-up shoulder as well. They just can't catch a break with the injuries. Yeah, and it's – I kind of feel bad for the, for the L.A. fans, Chargers fans, that is, even though there's not that many of them, the ones that they do have. Uh, all ten. It, yeah, all, all ten, dozen and a half maybe. Um, <laughs> they uh, Yeah, they can't catch a break. And, I mean, I'm not going to complain about it from a Chiefs perspective because they've got the talent roster-wise, I think, to be a team that has the potential. And they always play as kind of tough. You've seen over these last few years, really in the Anthony Lynn era, it's been a while since we've just blown them out of the water. Usually it's it's a 10- to 14-point game, if not less. So that defense has been able to play us pretty well. Um, yeah, if they could stay healthy, I think they're a team that might be able to compete. Maybe not now. But if Herbert, if Justin Herbert can take that next step and become the starter, first of all, and then develop, they could be a dangerous team down the road because they have a ton of talent defensively. I would say that's probably one of the most talented defenses. But like you said, the best ability is availability. And seems like old Derwin James, it's sad because he may be one of the best safeties in the league, but I can't put him there. Oh, voice crack. (laughs) (laughs) I can't put him there because – I mean, the availability is just too big of an issue to overlook with him. It's every other 
five games it seems like and it's just it's it's a bad deal for us football fans because he's a hell of a player and we kind of get deprived of seeing that defense at full strength versus Kansas City's offense so I don't know it's a it's a bad deal but it bodes well for the Chiefs I think which I mean I'll t- we'll take what we can get I don't think we may need it but any advantage is an advantage you know what I mean so for sure. we'll take it in this in this landscape let's go ahead and move on to our uh impact players to watch let's go ahead and start with kansas city uh number one i think is going to be unanimous and it's just because of you know the type of player that he is and we just got done talking about the injury report with los angeles mike pouncey being out i think chris jones is absolutely going to destroy the chargers uh you know center on sunday i think he is going to have three sacks minimum and I think he's definitely going to step it up in the run game this week. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Chris Jones, I saw some advanced stats on Twitter this week. I can't remember what it was. It was something about like run efficiency or efficiency versus a run. I think he ranked tied for 10th in the whole league yeah, I saw in that. week one. So, I mean, you combine that with his pass rush prowess, and this is a guy that – I mean, as you and I both agree, he's second to Aaron Donald, in my opinion. And I don't particularly think it's close. I don't think the third guy's close. And we may be a little bit biased. That's just my opinion. Guys like Fletcher Cox, uh, Hayward in Pittsburgh, Geno Atkins. I think there's a gap. I really do. And, uh, yeah, you you look at what what uh, Geno Atkins and DJ Reader in Cincinnati were able to do to that interior offensive line in L.A. last week. I mean, you combine the fact that Pouncey's gone for the year and you've got a guy like Chris Jones on the other side. Buckle up, Tyrod. You better have your running shoes on. For sure. I, uh, you know, I just, we got, we got to stop the run. I think that goes to our linebackers uh, mainly. I mean, you watched the game last week and it's just not, it's not what we envision when we think of good linebackers and what we want the Chiefs linebackers to be. Willie Gay did not play a single snap at linebacker. And that's another one of our impact players to watch. And I'm not saying that we're going to watch him, but it's a hopeful that we are going to watch him. Because if I have to watch Ben Neiman struggle like that again, as I've told everyone from the get-go, that he is awful at the linebacker position, I'm going to snap. There is no way that throwing Willie Gay out there is going to hurt you more than Ben Nima did on Sunday. I mean, is that just, it's not just you. And I mean, you and I, we've been, we've been consistent on this point. We've been driven to the fact that Ben Neiman should not be on the football field. I felt like that since, and we're finally getting people to believe. Right, when when he's it's it, it's on the tape, man. Right, just watch watch the game, watch the all twenty two the NFL Game Pass releases. Right, the tape doesn't lie. It's all there, and I mean, it's eye in the sky does not right, lie. and it's visible. It's visible on television. You don't even have to watch the all twenty two. Every time Ben Neiman comes in the screen, he makes a mistake, and I get it. There's some people that don't see the game like we see the game. 
when I watch what they're doing and us both having an understanding of the defense and the way that it's supposed to function, we can see the coverages, we can see the run fit assignments, we can see those things that most fans can't see. I mean, David Johnson's touchdown run last week, he didn't even attempt to make a tackle. No, and it, He's got juked out of his shoes and didn't even attempt there's, to tackle. What bothers me is if you have a guy like Neiman that's not overly athletic, he has to be physical. Ben Neiman's not either of the two. There's no physicality. There's no burst. He has no over-the-top athleticism. You have a guy on the sideline, and yes, he might be smart, but you know what smart gets you? It gets you beat. This league ain't about, I mean, it, it is about intelligence, but it's about the players more than the scheme. And I get it. Willie Gay Jr. may not have a grasp of the scheme and the defense in a way that Ben Neiman does. But if that's the case, don't put him in a position where he has to call plays. Put him out on the field. Let him run the weak side. I know they've been practicing him at the strong side. Sam linebacker. I don't agree with that in the base. He's played Sam in the base and the buck linebacker, I think, in the nickel is what he said, which I think that's inside weak side. Because I'm pretty sure in the nickel, the base in three or four, three under is actually more of like a three, four style lineup, isn't it? In there, two interior linebackers in the nickel, the way that we run it. Yeah, I think so. I think, and maybe it, it depends on the offense, too. Okay, but. I think the Buck linebacker is the weak side inside linebacker, and that's what he's been practicing. Now, if if we're going to do that, I'd be okay with him doing that, but put him next to Hitch. Put B- Neiman on the bench. Like I, It's that simple. Just give it a shot. Willie Gay Jr., what did he run? He ran a 4-4-40 at his size. 4-4 and some change. I can't remember exactly what it was. You've got a guy with that much athleticism, and Dorian O'Daniel, another example. This game, and I'll talk about it later in my Maker Breaks, this is a game where we're going to have to be able to eliminate what Aaron Jones did us did to us last year in Kansas City for the Packers. They're, I guarantee you they're going to be looking at that game and thinking, we have to use Austin Eckler to attack their linebackers. Because that's a weak spot on our defense. It's no secret. The linebackers are the weakest portion of our defense. I feel that way even with the injuries to the corners. I really have more confidence in these young kids playing corner than I think I do in the linebackers. Because these guys at least have potential and the bursts there, the athleticism's there. Hitchens, he doesn't have burst. He's not physical very often. He's terrible against the run. Neiman's bad at everything. I like Damian Wilson a little bit. Damian Wilson shows flashes of physicality and burst. Right. And I think he's an intelligent football player, but... I just I wholeheartedly believe our best linebacking group would be Wilson at Strong, uh, Hitchens at Mike, and Willie Gay Jr. at the weak side at Will. I think if But you gotta let him play before you can I just don't understand why they haven't given him a shot. Right. And if he He cannot be any worse than Ben Neiman. The only thing I can think is he he doesn't have the defense down to where he can efficiently plug in and the scheme work. You know, but I don't think Ben Neiman does either. Like, he may know how to call the play, but it doesn't matter because when he snaps the football. At least Willie Gay will run to the football. Right. And when he. Tell him to go find the football. That's all you got to do. Right. Especially if he's on that weak side because the way that the defense works, it's going to free him up to make plays. He's not in run fits. He doesn't have a responsibility. His job at the will would be to fly around and make plays. And with athleticism, like what he has and his physicality, 
He's the most physical linebacker we have on the team, I think. But I agree. But we don't know that right now because they're not giving him an opportunity. And I get it. You want the safe option. But I'd rather have a guy on the field right now, early on in the season, that has potential, that has athleticism, because it's early. Right now, with the COVID and everything, no preseason, the offense has an advantage in every game. So put a guy like that on the football field. If he makes some mistakes, it is what it is. We're trying to get better. We're dealing with a little bit of injury anyways. And he's a rookie. Right. He should make mistakes. He's young. But give him an opportunity now to where the offense automatically has an advantage because the other team can't prepare in the same way. The defense, all offseason, with these limited practices and no OTAs, they haven't been tackling. They haven't been putting pads on and hitting people. The offense has still been able to do what they do. So each offense in every game is going to have an advantage. And I think we've seen it in a lot of these games. They've been very high-scoring games so far this season. So put a guy like Willie Gay out there. If he makes some mistakes, it is what it is. We've got guys over the top with Thornhill, Sorensen, and the Honey Badger that can protect him a little bit and not give up the touchdown. But I don't think he's going to make any more mistakes than Ben Neiman because I don't think it's possible. Every time the guy's on TV, he screws up. I mean, you look at that first down conversion that Houston had last week to, I think it was uh, Fells, their tight end. Neiman's just barreling to this guy. He catches the ball with his back turned to Ben Neiman. Neiman's coming sideline to sideline. Fells doesn't even see him, and he misses the tackle. I about threw my remote through my TV screen. I I mean, a perfect opportunity. This guy is wide open to be ear-holed. Just rip his head off. Oh, not Ben Neiman. He misses the tackle. Fells jukes the next guy, and Neiman trips over the person that he juked. That's Ben Neiman. That's what you and I have been saying this whole time. That's what we've seen since he started playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's the guy that's going to come unappeased to the ball carrier with the ball carrier not even seeing him, and he's still going to end up missing the tackle. So put Willie Gay in. It's going to knock that guy clear onto the sideline. May, may fumble. He's going to lay the lumber. Like We need linebackers with physicality. We need somebody that's going to make plays and force turnovers and change the dynamic of the game. If we can put somebody in there with the athleticism and physicality that he has to make an impact in a way that Ben Neiman's just physically not capable of, do it. And if he's not able, he's not running the Mike linebacker at all. So the intellect stuff shouldn't be that big of a deal. He's not going to be the one calling the plays. That should be Hitch if he's in the game. So I don't know what they'll do. That's what I would do. And that's why he's one of the impact guys for us because Ben Neiman, if we didn't have the offense that we have, could really hurt us. And when we play a team like the Ravens, it may hurt us. So get Willie Gay Jr. in now to where he can get a game under his belt, get adjusted to the game speed. That way when we have to spy Lamar Jackson next week, we can use our 4-4-40 linebacker and do it. Ben Neiman can't spy Lamar Jackson. He'll get his ankles actually broken, like talking IR broken. So put Willie Gay in, let him adjust this week so we're prepared for the Ravens and their run game the following week. It's that simple. And sorry to go on a long rant and a big tangent on it, but it just Tyron said he's pissed off about the way we played. Well, I'm pissed off about Willie Gay Jr. sitting on the sideline while Ben Neiman misses wide open tackles where he should be killing people. Like, it's not even up for an argument. 
he's a better athlete. He's a better player. All that being said, Willie Gay is our uh, second impact player. Our third one is the NFL leading rusher, and that's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, had a good game against Houston, came out running tough. Kalicha Assembly, which we'll talk about here uh, probably next episode, you know, waiting to see what he does this week as well. Definitely opened some lanes for him, had a great week. Uh, you know, was FedEx ground player of the week for week one. Uh, I think he's going to come back with a strong case here in week two as well. I mean, we didn't really see the Chiefs open up their offense like they're capable of doing in week one, so I'm wondering if they're hiding something here. Uh, and with that pass rush of uh, Joey Bosa coming at us this week, I think the screen game is going to be huge there for Clyde. Another guy we never mentioned injury-wise was uh, Drew Tranquil, their linebacker. They lost him for the season as well. He's a big part of their run game. So I expect Clyde to have another another uh, solid performance for sure. For sure. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, talk about their three guys just real quick so we can get on to your uh, make-or-break keys to victory. Uh, we've got Joey Bosa, Austin Eckler, and Mike Williams. Uh, Austin Eckler, I think, had six touches – or not six touches, six carries last week, and that was not to be expected. So I definitely expect them – to uh, give him the ball a little more, see what he can do. And uh, Mike Williams, I think they're going to take some shots at him, especially with two younger guys uh, covering both him and Keenan Allen this week. I think they're going to take more deep shots as well. And then Joey Bosa, you always have to watch out for him. I mean, he he's one of the best pass rushers in football and could possibly be, other than Chris Jones, the best pass rusher in the AFC West as well. So, uh Marcus, you got anything to add just real quick before we move on? Yeah, well, I'll just bust through these real quick. Bosa, I think with not being 100% and going against Mitchell Schwartz, he should be relatively neutralized. But the reason I really felt he was a big impact, because, I mean, we know what he's capable of. And the only way really to beat us is to affect Mahomes. And if you don't get pressure on him, you're probably not going to beat us. It's that simple, unless we just fall apart, which happens very, very rarely. So, I think Bosa's just going to have to make an impact early and often if they have any chance. Eckler, like I said, I think they're going to attack Ben Neiman if he's in the game in the pass game with Eckler. He could still have six carries. I hope not because I have him in fantasy, but they really seem to like that young kid, Joshua Kelly, out of UCLA. So we'll see how that goes, but I think Eckler is going to be a big weapon for him in the pass game early on in the game. And then Mike Williams, I'm just I'm worried about the size difference between our defensive backs and with them having little experience. There may be a lot of jump balls to Mike Williams. And if that's the case, Sneed had a hell of a game last week. I just, fingers crossed, because he'll probably be the one that's covering him. I fully expect, uh, who do you think will be number one corner on the outside? It'll have to be Sneed. Sneed? You think they'll play Fenton? Uh, well, honestly, what they might do is play Fenton and Sneed on the outsides, Tyron in the slot, and then play Sorensen and Juan at safety. Yeah, I don't know. That's to be seen. Yeah. That's beside the but point. But, yeah, regardless, I think I think we can make do with anything because I don't think Tyrod has the ability to score with our offense. Tyrod Taylor, that is. So, right. That's my two cents, though, on the players to watch. All right, guys. Uh, that being said, Marcus, it's time for your make-or-break offensive and defensive keys to victory. Uh, that being said, as Andy Reid would say, time's yours. All righty. Here we go. Um, the make-or-breaks this week – 
I mean, it's pretty much cut and dry what you think when you think about these two teams now from what we've seen with Clyde. So my make or break for the Chiefs offense, basically they need to establish a run early on, keep defense off balance, and essentially open the field for Patrick to just make plays. Um, This Chargers defense, they run the Seattle Seahawks scheme, so it's a very aggressive defensive scheme, so they'd be very susceptible to the big play if they play aggressive because they like to send their safeties on blitzes. They like to, like I said, be over-aggressive like we used to see with the Legion of Boom in Seattle. So if uh, we get the opportunity, we need to take advantage of the possibility for big plays when they do play aggressive on offense. And it's just establishing that run game, like I said, getting the defense off balance where they can't sell one way or the other, whether that be the run game or the pass, and just attack when the opportunities are there to get our chunk plays but last week, he showed the ability to be methodical and move the ball regardless. So I think the Chargers defense is in trouble any way, any way you cut it. And I think the NFL is in trouble as a whole. But defensively for Kansas City, I just think to make this game as successful as possible, they need to do everything to protect the young corners. Because really, that's going to be the liability of our defense this week with just injuries and lack of experience. So we really need to be conscious of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, not that not let those guys single-handedly beat us and use our high-quality coverage safeties to help protect and maybe shield some of the young corners' uh, ineptitudes. And then, like I said earlier, Austin Eckler just limit his impact out of the backfield by actually putting Willie Gay Jr. on the field. I think that's really all they would need to do because I think he can run step-for-step step with Austin Eckler. And if not Willie Gay, if we don't see him, at least put Dorian O'Daniel in if we're getting throttled on that because O'Daniel's got the speed to stick with Eckler. But I think those are really the two the two things for the Chiefs to help uh, disguise some of the issues with the, uh, the cornerbacks, basically. And then just utilize what we do have on the roster to not get beat like we did last year by Aaron Jones. So that's what I look for the Chiefs for their make or breaks on offense and defense. For the Chargers, it's an uphill climb because this is, without a doubt, one of the hardest teams to go up against in the league, especially when you're losing some of your best players to injury. But uh, my make or break for the Chargers offense is basically use Mike Williams and Keenan Allen to attack that secondary down the field. Um, Sneed, like we mentioned, Fenton, we don't know really who else will be available. We might see Keys. We might see Tyron play some corner. We don't know what all will happen. Any way you twist it with the exception of Tyron, it's a mismatch with both with both Williams and Allen, excuse me. So I fully expect them to try to utilize that. And the bottom line for the Chargers, to beat this Chiefs team, you've just got to score, score, score. And if they can utilize Eckler out of the backfield and attack these corners with Williams and Allen, I really think that's their best way and only way to make this a game that they walk out with a W. I think if they don't... If they don't keep pace with the Chiefs, they're not going to stop the Chiefs. But in an effort to do so, my maker breaks for this defense in L.A. is kind of what I mentioned earlier about Bosa. You just got to get to Mahomes early and often. Get him uncomfortable. Get him off his game. Get home with your pass rush. Play aggressive. Force turnovers. And basically keep the Chiefs offense out of rhythm. They don't want to let Clyde Edwards-Alaire establish the run game like he did last week. Because in that situation, when you have to really pay respects to that run game, it puts you in a big liability defensively, especially when you want to play aggressive like the Chargers want to play. 
you can't sell out for pass rush and play super aggressive when you have to worry about draw plays and that running game as well. So I think really if you're the Chargers, those should be the main focuses. Get home early and often with that pass rush with Bosa and uh, Melvin Ingram. And then do everything you can to limit Clyde Edwards-Alaire's impact early on in the game and force the Chiefs to beat you deep down the field. Because they do have a very strong secondary at the corner position. Desmond King, Casey Hayward, uh, Chris Harris is a new addition. That's one of the best corner groups in the league. They still have Nasir Adderley. I'm not sure who the other safety is that will replace Derwin James. But overall, that's still a top-end uh, secondary. And the front seven there is incredible as well, the addition of Kenneth Murray, the rookie. And then what we know that they have on on defense in the uh, pass rushers. So I really I really think those are the main make-or-breaks for both teams. And I look forward to seeing uh, what, what comes of this matchup and which team's able to execute their make-or-break plan and ultimately – gain a victory here in Los Angeles. All right, guys. That's Marcus on his make or break moments or keys to victory. Well, Marcus, it's going to be a uh, pretty good show on Sunday. I have a pretty good feeling about this one. Uh, I've got the Chiefs winning it in, uh, with a large margin just because of, uh, you know, the offensive power and the injuries that, Los Angeles has, but, uh, as always guys, please go check out Arrowhead live, uh, other podcasts and shop arrowheadlive.com. Tons of merchandise on there. You know, we're getting tons of orders in right now, which is, it's good for us, but we like getting that stuff out there to you guys. So I think we've added some, uh, some drawings and stuff now too, um, all over Twitter. So please check in on Arrowhead live, uh, you know, retweet some of their posts that have contests with them. I think they're drawing uh, for Chiefs Super Bowl flags on Monday, I believe that is. Could be, yeah, it could be Tuesday, but I believe it's Monday. But go ahead and I check mean, that out. Marcus, you got anything to add before we get off here? Football as a whole, uh, we saw that the Big Ten has agreed to resume play. I think they're going to come back, what was it, October? I think – for the Big Ten. So that's big for college football. Um, that's exciting for us doing our draft analytics for Arrowhead Live. So I'm looking forward to that and getting guys like Justin Fields and some of these big, big prospects back. Sean Wade there at Ohio State. There's a lot of guys that have a lot of potential. So I think that's going to be add another layer of excitement for us on the draft analytics side. Um, for the most part, I'm just looking forward to this game. I would like to give a score prediction out just, just for the fun of it. Um, I think, like you said, I don't think it's going to be all that close. I have the Chiefs coming away with this one, 42-24. All right, I'll stick with it. I'm going to go 38-13. to uh, (laughs) That was a little more. Kansas City. Anyway, guys, that that does it for us here on the Nosebleed Seats. Tune in next week. We'll have another game preview for you guys. Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, 325 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. It's at SoFi uh, Stadium. What's stadium called, Marcus? <laughs> so, I wanted to say Sci-Fi, but I, I knew it was SoFi. At SoFi Stadium, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wilson on the call. Tune in next week, guys. We'll see you guys later. To the Chiefs kingdom, you guys are world champions once again. Woo!
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Go Chiefs!